From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we launch our 24th year on the air. And thank you to everyone who has helped us along the way especially all uh, you, the listeners. Uh, without the listeners, uh, you're, you're, you're why we exist. So we greatly appreciate that. And we appreciate all the wonderful guests we've had as well. And uh, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in John Watkins uh, from the uh, Yolo Solano Catholic Charities. Uh, John, good to hear your voice. Thanks, Bob. It's, uh, congratulations, first of all on uh, 24 years of this radio program, and uh, it's been a great being on the program with you. So it's been a while. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, where are you headquartered now? I'm, uh, well, I, I alternate uh, between the, the Woodland Office at Catholic Charities mm-hmm. and the Vallejo Office. Uh, I'm mostly in the Vallejo Office. Um, which is the the main corporate office for Catholic Charities of Yolo Solano. Yeah, you know that it's uh, Yolo Solano sounds. Oh, it's just a couple of little counties. <laughs> That's from the uh, northern tip of uh, Yolo County, up uh, you know by uh, just south of Arbuckle. Uh, Arbuckle in, is not in Yolo County, but uh, mm-hmm. Knights Landing that area all the way to Vallejo and Benicia. Uh, and all those stops in between, like right. uh, Vacaville and Fairfield. It, geographically, and it's really large, yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's different than Sacramento, uh, for instance, uh, or some of the other Catholic charities that are in uh, sort of more densely populated right. areas. Uh, we have a lot of rural communities within Yellow and, and some of Solano County as well. Of course, it's a mix. You know, we have also uh, some urban communities in, as well, so we have... Uh, a lot of diversity in the the counties that we serve for Catholic charities. Yeah, t- tremendous diversity and tremendous uh, diversity of of the need involved. I remember mm-hmm. one time being asked to speak at the elementary school in Elmira, and I don't know if that school's even still open, but oh my gosh, I thought I I, I got to Elmira and I somebody said, well, it's basically Vacaville, you know, it's a few miles. From, so I'm thinking city and I got there and I thought, wow, this is a town out of out of Iowa or Kansas or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it was yeah. just um, just wonderful people, but a small, mm-hmm. close, I'm sure you know of, of Elmira. And, um, mm. you know, it's just, there are little towns like that all throughout Yolo Solano. That's right. And, and uh, a lot of times, uh, the the focus of um, communities and the, the focus of resources tends to go towards more urban areas. And and uh, we know that there's a, just a, a great deal of need in the rural areas. Uh, they really have um, basic needs. Ironically, they have real needs around hunger, uh, which is ironic because a lot of these are ag communities, uh, but there's real basic uh, issues of water, food, um, and other uh, basic things that in urban communities are taken for granted. So, um, you know, there's a lot of work there that we, we're continuing to, uh, you know, expand. But really, especially when we talk about Yellow County, really looking to uh, serve the needs of the at-risk communities within 
Yellow County. So the is there is there a, a fairly large? I mean, I mean, you know, ag is is so big in both counties, and uh-huh. uh, uh, it brings in a number of workers, some of them uh, who are migrant workers uh, uh-huh. who, who move from one place to another and so maybe aren't as aware of the, the services that might be available to them in each in each area. That's right. And also, so there's the migrant communities and, and the migrant centers, which uh, we, we uh, support, but also there is uh, a lot of workers uh, that continue to work um, in these communities. For instance, uh, I don't. Uh, you may recall the LNU fire from yes. a couple years ago. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, it really kind of got overlooked because a lot of the farmers that were affected by the fire had insurance sure. and, um, you know, were able to be taken care of. But the, the farmers really were affected, and so uh, we really focused our disaster recovery work. I mean, we, we work with both uh, documented and undocumented, but we gave out uh, over $500,000 of direct assistance and uh, services to undocumented Im- immigrants that were affected by that fire. So there's about uh, 250 families that we worked with to kind of help them, uh, you know, get back on their feet. Of course, you know, it sounds like a lot of money, but really uh, it was really just taking care of some basic mm-hmm. needs uh, for them um, just to, to kind of, uh, you know, uh, help them with getting uh, to work and uh, to continue to work. Because the, the thing about that is, is, you know, despite the fires and, and of course, that we had COVID, these were workers that continued to have to work, even yeah, right. uh, in the toxic uh, conditions. They continued to have to work. Many of them got sick uh, because of the the, the smoke uh, and some of the toxic mm-hmm. uh, debris left by the fire. But they they continued to work, and so we, you know those are the the folks that we need to be careful to support. Um, and they are difficult to reach. Um, they they tend to be isolated, so it it requires effort. It requires a collaboration with different community partners because you have to remember Yellow County, like you said, is is very large, but there's different sub communities, Knights mm-hmm. Landing, and right. different communities, uh, you know, within uh, the west uh, side of the county, and the, you know, different parts of the county that we wanted to make sure we take took care of. So, do do you partner with other 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 organizations uh, mm-hmm. that, that are in that? Uh, I I know you know it, it's interesting the uh, the Cash Creek Casino the Yocha Day mm-hmm. um, has has put a lot of resources in trying into trying to help people in in Yolo mm-hmm. County. Yeah, and you know uh, it should be said that uh, uh, Catholic Charities of Yolo Solano has been around for. Uh, uh, well over 80 years, mm-hmm. but within Yellow County, we're relatively new. We started really uh, serving that community uh, because there was no Catholic Charities presence uh, in Yellow County, and Bishop Soto uh, said that uh, they, he really wanted us to, to expand and to serve that community. So really, you know, uh, a year or two ago, we really had one program, we had one person, and now uh, we have... Uh, seven people, and we have multiple programs 
you know, with, with immigration, doing food and nutrition, doing disaster. But we're still new. And that's why we, we really um, uh, try to collaborate with local partners, whether it's the Yellow Food Bank or Empower mm-hmm. Yolo, but also uh, within the parishes. Um, we work with the local St. Vincent de Paul Conference, and we try to really recognize that uh, even though Yellow County uh, has been underserved in, in terms of services, there are community-based organizations and uh, service providers that were there. And, and Bishop was really clear. He didn't want us to displace uh, any of the existing mm-hmm. uh, sort of community support. He didn't want us to sort of duplicate services. He really wanted us to kind of figure out where the gaps were and um, and try to serve those communities. And that's what we've been doing. And uh, so we've been growing, but we've been doing so at a sort of a, a very careful clip and really trying to stay behind the scenes in terms of supporting the community. Um, because there are a lot of great uh, community-based organizations there. They're not as large as some of the ones in Sac County, uh, but they're they're wonderful organizations, real grassroots, and they they understand those communities that they serve. Yeah, uh, you know that's a that's a really good point. You know that that uh, you know you mentioned Yolo Food Bank and and some of the other other Empower Yolo. Uh, the, those organ, it, 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 you're right. It, it makes much more sense. You know, we're not going to open our own food bank or a soup kitchen or this if it's right. all if that need is already being filled. Uh, finding the gaps is is That's right. is critical. Right. I mean, the, the question is, does does that let's say if there's a parish that's doing food distribution, uh, would it be helpful for them to have someone to help uh, with CalFresh signups or right. uh, doing nutrition education classes or other kind of supplemental things? Um, so that's kind of where we're trying to um, look to see where we could add value to the community and make an impact that way. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting because CalFresh is such a good program, and uh, there are a lot of people who are eligible for it and either don't know it or don't really just that's can't right. get through the red tape. That's right. And so um, especially in California, there just is a sort of, uh, a large percentage of people that could qualify that don't participate. And this is, um, you know, not only does it help to stabilize the families, but it also stabilizes the community because it brings in resources into a lot of times these really low-income communities. Um, so it, it really has a, a positive effect on the overall community. So, um, you know, th- these are some things that we can do to kind of help. Uh, here in Solano, of course, we do have um, sort of the whole array of both, you know, everything from distributing food, both, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be out of our food pantry, and we also do a pop-up food distributions, and we collaborate with uh, St. Catherine of Siena, mm-hmm. um, who's just been doing a wonderful job. Uh, they have a, a ministry called Menza Christi, uh, Table of Christ, which uh, feeds about 450 people uh, that are unhoused, um, unsheltered people that are sort of encamped around Vallejo. Mm -hmm. And um, twice a week they go out to these sort of encampments, uh, and there's many of them. And so uh, we we help support that ministry by providing them uh, uh, food, because Mm -hmm. otherwise um, they, because of what they're doing, they're not able to qualify for... Uh, food bank food, so uh, they were really 
their volunteers were paying out of pocket to to feed um, you know 400 plus people twice a week. And that's not so, sustainable, um, is it? That yeah. was an area where we yeah. we, we could help uh, with one of our you know uh, Catholic parish ministries, and that's the kind of thing that we try to do. We just try to we want to have a vibrant um, community support, uh, and that's really what makes the difference. Um, you know, certainly uh, we, we want to support, in some cases, our Catholic community because every single parish has uh, some type of outreach ministries, and we're very uh, have a good relationship with St. Vincent de Paul uh, and uh, different ministries. Um, but we, you know, we just want to make sure that we provide uh, support and value to those ministries so that they can help people. So um, that's really the mission of Catholic Charities isn't just to run Catholic Charities programs, but it's really to help um, people in need in, in our geographic area. So it transcends our specific program sometimes, and we have to look for ways to ultimately serve people, uh, whether it be our program, you know, through, directly through one of our programs or indirectly through a ministry um, of a parish or uh, other you know, nonprofits in the area that we can support. Do you, do you just necessarily get involved with, uh, you know, city councils, board of supervisors, planning mm-hmm. commissions, things like that? We do. And um, to, to be frank with you, we, if we had uh, infinite time, we should do, do it uh, even more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really important uh, for any nonprofit or, um, or in a, I call them community-based organizations, to be connected to the community. Right. And there's so many different parts of a community. And, you know, the Board of Supervisors and, and the city, uh, you know, the mayor's office and all these, they're all part of the community. They aren't the community, but they're all part of it. So you have to be uh, connected to churches and other nonprofits and, and other groups. And that's that's one of the ways that you are able to kind of connect to the many different uh, segments of the community. Um, and um, so we definitely uh, partner, of course, with uh, county supervisors um, in both counties. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the degree we can, we try to get involved uh, in other local um, organizations as well. Yeah, you know, I've, I've always been pleasantly surprised. You, you, growing up, you think of, uh, I don't know, the mayor and the, the you know board of supervisors and people like that as, as being uh, distant, and they're, they're, they're dealing with political issues and et cetera. And, you know, when, when we've had a problem in a neighborhood or a, maybe a traffic problem or something, pick up the phone and call a city council person, uh, almost invariably um, they say, well, when, when can we meet and how can I help? You know, it's like, it's like they, they really are public servants in the, in the best sense of the word. It's, it's true. Uh, and, and that's how we approach things. You know, I mean, it's, uh, as I always say, uh, you know, this job would be a lot e- uh, easier if there wasn't so many people involved. So there are, you know, exceptions to the rule. But generally speaking, you know, um, I, I found that in the community there's so many different groups of people, um, obviously uh, many of the faith-based communities, but also other people of goodwill that are trying to uh, make a difference. And it's important to try to uh, collaborate with uh, many of these organizations when it makes sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense in all cases, and so that's why we have to, you know, be strategic and we have to figure out, well, wh- you know, where are we going to focus our energy? 
uh, and for us really focusing around food and nutrition, immigration, legal services, disaster services, and general family assistance, you know, things like rental assistance and things like that, uh, and counseling. Those, those are kind of the areas where we're kind of focused, and um, it doesn't mean we don't expand. You know, we don't, we don't fill a need um, when, when it emerges, like we did with the rental assistance during, when COVID was, mm-hmm. was really uh, putting a number of people on uh, their housing at risk. We had to sort of step up. Um, it's like what we did with LN, the LNU fire when that came, and, and right now we're dealing with the flooding. And so we're in a lot of conversations with a lot of different communities uh, in sort of West Solano, like Esparto, um, Linda, um, Rumsey. You know, uh, yes. Yeah. And also in Yolo, kind of Knights Landing area, uh, parts of West Sacramento. And, and uh, there are a number of folks that have been affected by the flooding. And so we're working with community partners and uh, we're uh, really trying to figure out where, where the, the need is. And then we're going to, you know, kind of step into those areas. Uh, you know, maybe we'll, you know, in the past we've helped to give out uh, sort of gas cards or other mm-hmm. kinds of, you know, food cards. And we'll see where we, we have, but we have to kind of be uh, adaptive to what the greatest needs are at any given time. And so, um, and that's what Catholic Charities is about, um, as opposed to many nonprofits. It's a challenge for us, but Catholic Charities, like I say, is not just a set of programs. It's, it's a mission, and it, the mission is God's mission, and to care for people in need. And sometimes those needs uh, get a little bit tweaked when there's a disaster, and you have to be able to be adaptive and, you know, and to respond. And so, um, you know, we, we try our best to do that um, and um, when, when there's a disaster. And so that's kind of what we're doing now. John, you, you mentioned rental assistance. I know that was huge during COVID and then a, a great concerns uh, when that all went away. Uh, people were concerned about being evicted once it was over. How is all, that all shaping out in uh, Yolo Solano? Well, it, it continues to be the greatest need um, that we, we uh, get calls from. And, and to be honest with you, um, the challenge related to the COVID relief was that we had just a lot of money um, that was available with a very limited amount of time to spend it out. Mm-hmm. And um, it put a lot of different stressors. And so, to be honest with you, all those stressors have made it a little bit more challenging for us to provide um, rental assistance now because we're still kind of trying to sort of uh, clean up and, and uh, uh, sort of close out the, the rental assistance program mm-hmm. from those two very large uh, COVID uh, relief packages. Right. So, you know, if I was the king of the universe, I, I would have said, listen, rental assistance is an is a issue. Um, it's not an issue just for COVID. It's, it's just ongoing. Stuff happens. There's not enough resources out there to help people when they, they have needs. And um, it would have been nice to be able to extend that out because it continues to be an issue um, uh, going forward. And it's important to address. The last thing you want to do is have 
uh, families uh, get kicked out of housing and then and then become homeless um, because homelessness is 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 a whole another um, it provide it, you know sets up a whole set of other problems and it complicates things and it's very difficult for families once they become homeless to get out of that sort of vortex so you, the best thing you can do is is avoid that altogether try to uh, the cheapest thing really is to try to keep them from becoming homeless mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah so it's a challenge and uh, it's something that we will be uh, trying to address over the next couple of years to kind of ramp up capacity to help more families uh, right now I, I just think it, we're not doing enough how extensive is the, is the flooding in Yolo Solano well like I said, it's it depends on the communities, um, and uh, so for instance, you know, Knights Landing uh, is is uh, an ag community, and uh, so they get uh, most of the families there get their water from water wells, mm-hmm. and um, when you have issues around uh, power outages and things like that, they can't get clean water, um, and. So they have, there's just a lot of issues in an ag community, a lot of flooding, um, a lot of difficulty getting to work and things like that. So there are some issues that an ag community might have that an urban community may not have to be dealing with. So it's not uh, as widely seen. Let's say, for instance, in Yolo County, if you're in Davis, you might not really see You might see some, some you know, areas where there's a little bit of flooding. Right. But, not, you know, not... You know, just, oh, okay, well, I'm not going down that street. Um, but in, in the ag communities, it can be a little bit more uh, uh, difficult. They can block out whole roads mm-hmm. and uh, whole parts of the community. So this is um, kind of like a fire. Uh, we're in the midst of the disaster, and it's a really slow-moving disaster because, uh, you know, these are uh, a series of storms. So... We've been working a lot with our community partners uh, through the disaster services and um, having lots of sort of meetings uh, via Zoom and other things to try to to get a sense of the, the different needs in these different pockets of communities. And um, so that's kind of where we're at. Of course, uh, at, at different points, we'll have other, uh, you know, sort of governmental agencies like FEMA, or uh, and, and other nonprofits like Red Cross that come in and provide some services. But then we always have to assess, since we're the ones that are living in this community, how do we help those that have been affected to kind of get back on their feet? And sometimes that takes a little bit longer. Um, like I said, just like the LNU fire, we're still uh, running some of our disaster case management program. We're kind of wrapping that up, uh, hopefully in the next couple of months. But it takes a while uh, to help stabilize families that have been displaced by a, a disaster. And um, so the, the initial response that you often hear about, about through Red Cross or through FEMA, um, that's only the first part. And then, you know, we have to be prepared to uh, get the community back uh, to full health. Uh, and that sometimes that takes a you know, a number of months, it could take sometimes years to, to get uh, a community back to wholeness. So I don't know how bad it's going to be with this because we're not done yet. 
Yeah, un- unfortunately, uh, we aren't done yet, and uh, it's 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 uh, we're in the middle of what used to be called the rainy season until we hit kind of a long range drought. But uh, um, right, uh, this right. Is, we've been praying for rain for the last four years. And, we have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> be careful what you pray for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard. To, you know, I mean, this is just. I mean, the, the, this is just uh, the way things are sometimes. When it rains, it pours, and um, there's going to be disasters, Um, and that's why um, we recently realized that this was a a need for the community. There really wasn't uh, adequate sort of uh, programs for disaster um, education and disaster recovery in Solano and and Yellow, Uh, and so that's why we sort of stepped into that space. And so uh, we'll, we'll continue to be involved in, in this disaster, and uh, hopefully it won't uh, be too bad. Um, you know, in some communities, obviously, in the Central Valley and Santa Cruz, there's been some real terrible uh, news that, that have come from those. So we haven't had those kinds of things, but it has really uh, displaced um, uh, families. And so... We just want to make sure that we address those needs. Yeah, I, I you mentioned Santa Cruz. I have a, a daughter at UC Santa Cruz, and uh, huh? um, she called the other day in a near panic because they had got. She lives off campus in town, and the campus is is basically closed because there's a lot of power lines down, and there's all these mm-hmm. trees they're afraid are going they're going to fall down. And and she, you know she wanted to come home, and uh, there there weren't any roads to get home on. Oh wow. You know, and and b- between slides and trees falling, as much as the water, you know, some uh, of them are some are blocked by what. And I thought, and 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 she, you know, has resources. She is a college student, and she's bright, and and all that. And and you think, boy, if 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 she's having difficulties, what about the so many other people that don't have those resources? Yeah. Well, you know when. It- um, sometimes it's humbling when you are faced with a natural disaster. Um, you know, your, your uh, sort of economic situation, your, your uh, intelligence, and all those things can be challenged. Kind of, yeah. we're, we're very small uh, little uh, people in the, in the big scheme of the things. And so when you, you're faced with a big natural disaster, it can be very humbling. Um, yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, so it is, you know, obviously it, it disproportionately affects uh, people that are already living on the margins. Um, they also tend to be living in areas that are not as safe, uh, sometimes, you know, at the lower, uh, you know, at the flood zones. And LB. so, there, so there, there's a reason why uh, it does displace um, folks that are in the lower and the economic uh, sphere as well. But uh, it, it affects everyone. You know, we're, we're, we all are human and, um, you know, at the end of the day, our, our uh, you know our, our souls and our bodies are identical. That's right. They're the same. <laughs> That's right. Um, We're all made yeah. in the image and likeness of the good Lord. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. Those are some of the things we're working on, Bob. Wow, and this is as declared by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, Poverty Awareness Month, uh, the mm-hmm. month of January. That's right. So, well, John, um, greatly appreciate all you do and all uh, the, the folks you work with do, and uh, we we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon in the new year. All right. Thanks, Bob.
Thanks, John. Thank you. Care. God bless. God bless you too. That's uh, uh, John Watkins, who's the exec- executive director of uh, Catholic Charities for Yolo Solano, Yolo County, and Solano County, right here in uh, Northern California. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. This is Julie Sly, editor of Herald Magazine, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. That's me. Welcome back, and uh, we're pleased to welcome in Maria Leatherby, Executive Director of the Sacramento Life Center. Marie, good day to you. Good day to you, Bob. <laughs> you got all kinds of things happening we do we do we're starting 2023 with the bang we're really really excited um we've got a, a great collaboration this year with uh dignity health is sponsoring it between um our medical clinic and wealth space health wealth space health and women's empowerment just to do an all-encompassing support for pregnant women. I mean, whether they're, you know, homeless, need pregnancy care, need childbirth management, um, everything, wellness, recovery, violence prevention, mental health counseling, um, just everything for a woman we've we have them covered. They begin their journey here at Sacramento Life Center. We're very excited about it. So you, you take us back, oh, 10, 10 years or so, and, and talk, about, talk about what you offered then and what you're able to offer now. Um, yeah, we mainly just did um, 
we're more of just a counseling service. We did the pregnancy tests and ultrasounds. Uh, we didn't see as near as many people as we do now. Um, and we were just more, you know, emotional support. But now um, we, you know, now we offer the STD testing. We partner with OBGYN um, referrals so that they go straight from us straight into OB care. Um, our baby needs center has grown dramatically from just a little diaper closet to monthly support um, with all material needs that a mom would need. Um, we do prenatal vitamins. We have a more extensive uh, parenting and prenatal education classes that we didn't have then um, from all the way to their 18. And they're online and we give out uh, car seats and, and strollers and things like that for women that complete the education so our moms are more educated. We have free women's health exams, pap smears. So um, we're, we're a fuller medical clinic than before. We give educational scholarships to our moms in school that are pregnant that need that kind of support. Um, we do abortion pill reversals that women now, the majority of abortions are by taking a pill, and we get them on a progesterone regimen to try to save the baby's life. So we do all those things and more that we didn't used to do. So it's very, very exciting that we just can offer so many uh, more things to more people. Tell us a little bit about the scholarship program for those who haven't heard of it. I just think that that is, I'm just so thrilled about that. Yeah, we're really excited. You know, we started it this last year, our 50th year, we decided it's time to do a scholarship program. We have people that wanted to put the funding up for this, whose hearts are really behind it. Uh, Rich and Connie Copas and um, the Anderson family. Pam was a volunteer here for many years. And they put up the original 50000 to start the scholarship program, and we've brought in money since. But, you know, we wanted to find ways, you know, what are some of the reasons that women have abortions? And one is they feel their life is over. They can't complete their educational goals or their career goals. And we want to show women that you can do both. And we're here to help you with that, you know, um, through that hump. So we've uh, had lots of different uh, applications, and we're taking applications uh, now for, um, you know, anyone that you know is in need. We, we like to stick mostly with our patients, but that it's not strictly that. If you know a mom that's struggling with, you know, little ones and needs, uh, to complete some educational courses, we're, we're here to help. So, um, or a pregnant mom if it's in school. So, um, yeah, so we've helped somebody. Um, and this is mostly supplemental help. We don't pay us that the whole thing, but most of our patients can qualify for some, uh, some financing, and mm -hmm. we're here to supplement um, those things. Um, We've helped with just, you know, from getting a GED to uh, nursing school to help somebody 
can help supplement things like for gas and wow. things, you know, while they're going to school with our benevolent fund. So we're really, really trying to help moms get ahead, and um, it's been it's been very rewarding to see these moms who are struggling uh, be able to know that they're going to be able to get, you know, decent employment, decent money, insurance, and those kind of things for their family. Well, you know, we have so many wonderful community colleges, uh, state universities, UCs uh, in this area that uh, offer such a wide variety of programs. And I'm a big, big, big uh, booster of the community colleges because they offer a lot of degree programs in specific fields where you're trained specifically in a certain thing. And uh, I've had two of my kids have gone through community colleges and just uh, the, the the faculty and the uh, sort of the the mission of the people there um and and they're low cost um yeah. but but even even that i know i i taught at city college years ago and most of my students were would would be classified as reentry students and they were taking a class or two classes and you know that slow progress to a degree because they were working full time and they yeah. had kids and and yeah. a little bit of help would be major for them right it it really is you know and so being able we have one gal she completes her program in march she has seven kids um trying to work part-time, get through this program. And our scholarships, uh, we will give up to 5000 if needed. And um, that's what we're doing for this lady, plus just um, giving her 300 a month to help with food and gas until March, till she's done, just to get her through the program. Mm-hmm. So um, and she's very dedicated and, and a great mom, and we just feel like, Wow, to be able to help lift her up out of um, poverty with this is really, really money well spent. And we don't feel we're enabling people; we're really giving them a hand up. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah. I mean, you know, for for full time students, there 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 are a lot of programs. You know, uh, mm-hmm. for the. 18-year-old freshman going off to college. There are a lot of programs, you know, Cal Grants and, you know, student loans and and those kinds of things. But uh, for the people that want to take a class or two and and graduate, that's, it's a lot. Usually you'll, you'll see that restricted to full-time student kind of thing, you know. Right. Um, And, and this is, this is uh, what you're doing is just, uh, it's, it's fabulous. Yeah, we really like it because, um, and just some of the programs, like if somebody wants to be an ultrasound check or, mm-hmm. you know, they're ten to $20,000, and even if they get scholarships, they might still owe, you know, four sure. or 5000 Sure. It's very hard to come up with. So those kind of supplemental things we can um, assist, assist with. So it's it's been fun. We helped one gal to take better English classes, computer mm-hmm. skills. I mean, just things to help people sharpen their skills. Sure. Um, so, yeah, wide variety of needs that we feel it, it really rounded off the Sacramento Life Center, what we do um, to help 
uh, not only people be good parents, but, um, you know, just to have a more abundant life, you know, is how we put it. So you, we're into the new year. Mm-hmm. What maybe you can give uh, our listeners a uh, a rundown of all, <laughs> and you'll probably be adding some as we go along, of all the the events you have coming up uh, in the new year. Yeah, well, we're we're just entering. We're making calls as we speak for the baby bottle luncheon baby bottle program, where we drop off uh, bottles to your site. You know, school, church, office. Um, we fill them with the lint, with cash, coin, checks, and uh, we pick them up after Easter. And that's that's uh, a great thing for families, for kids, for schools. Um, it's that baby bottle program. It's a great time to talk about the life issue and that, you know, every human being is uh, sacred. So we have that. We're... Um, about 90% sure our Mother's Day rose sale will be back this year. We're mm-hmm. trying to make sure roses are available <laughs> um, because there's so many shortages and things. So we really want to get our rose sale back in the parishes on Mother's Day. Uh, that's a great community event and fundraiser, and and um, people really enjoy that. We, um, well, we're getting our new mobile clinic in one or two months that really? we've raised. 220. Yes. Our old mobile clinic, we retired it during COVID, you know, um, we couldn't really take it out because of the, you know, space issues and, and social distancing. And then we decided it was just getting old and needed repairs. So we sold it and raised the money for a new state-of-the-art mobile clinic. And it should be here soon. And, um, so we'll be having an event, a blessing for that, and maybe crack a bottle of champagne and cut a ribbon and, and get that out on the road again. So we help so many people with that mobile program. Are there companies that specifically make these mobile clinics? Yes. Yes. I mean, we, there's three or four throughout the nation that really focus on mobile medical clinics. And are, are they also f- used for other or, or other groups other than pro-life groups? Yes, all kinds of medical mm-hmm. clinics. Mm-hmm. And um, we picked one out of Phoenix that we, we really like to work with them. They're smaller and more personal. So um, we've put the first two payments down once it's delivered, the final payment, but we raised the money through some grants and through our 2021 gala to fully fund that. So we're waiting for that to arrive and very excited. We're going to need an ultrasound nurse to hire to be on that and manager and and get that back out in some needy neighborhoods. So is there a... Is there a prototype for these? Like, oh, yeah, we've got Model A, Model B, Model C, or is it something that's really unique where you dictate what you need in it? Yeah, we were able to dictate what we need. Um, We decided, you know, before we had a big 36-foot RV, and um, it was was hard to get around, hard Uh to park, hard to find locations. 
So this is uh, now on a Ford chassis. Um, it's a bo- It's almost like a box truck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can drive it. So um, it's a little smaller, but two rooms. It'll have a counseling room and an exam room, ultrasound room. The Knights of Columbus are right now, as we speak, I'm working with them to get a new ultrasound machine on it. Um, and so we will be offering uh, almost all of our services there mobily. And um, we're looking for sites. We're going to be, you know, trying to find some really good sites to take it to and, and work with some different organizations for pregnant women. So we're very excited about that. Because it, oh, be- and then, go, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just... I was going to change the subject and talk about our dinner on November 11th, oh, okay. but you had a question. Just, Go ahead. Just one more question. Mm-hmm. On the, mm-hmm. from, from, because it is a mobile health clinic, mm-hmm. are there restrictions on where you can take it, where it can park, et cetera? Oh. Like yeah. from the health department, from the state, from the county, whatever? Yes. Yes. And on our last one, too. You have to notify both the state and county of where you'll be and what days, mm-hmm. and you have to have proof of um, from the property owners to park there and mm-hmm. things like that. So I know a lot of people say, why don't you just pull it up in front of Planned Parenthood? Sure. Well, technically, because it's a licensed medical clinic, we couldn't get approval from them to park there. So, sure. Sure. Um, that's, so we, we try to find very strategic locations and in visible places where a needy woman might, you know, be able to reach out for help. Very good. So now tell us about the gala, which is only, uh, what, 10 months away. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We're already planning it. Um, We've got the Hyatt Regency booked for November 11th, so people can mark their calendars and start saving their pennies. So uh, the second Saturday of November. Yeah, they changed it on us. Yeah. Yes, they changed it. So, um, was that their choice? That's their choice. They they kind of tell us what we get because they work around larger conventions mm-hmm. and things there. So. So um, that will be Veterans Day weekend. Yes. Yes. Um, but hopefully everybody can uh, be taken off for the weekend and can come on out. Yeah, probably um, Veterans Day will be celebrated on Friday, I would guess, the tenth. And and it's not a it's not a travel holiday, you know, it's not it's not a normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's November. <laughs> yeah. So Right. So it, it probably yeah, will work so, to your advantage. Yeah. So we already have our you know, photographer and our auctioneer and MC all those things lined up. We start planning, um, I think, our this year our, our um, tagline will be Come Grow With Us because we're continuing to grow and, and the models, uh, what we do, we help babies grow. So it'll be really fun. We're excited about it. And, uh, last year we raised more money than ever. We had sold out 750 people and it was really, really a lot of fun and just a great night celebrating now you had to turn pe- turn people away. Do you? Uh, is there any possibility of accepting more people next year? Yeah, you know, um, 
if we get rid of some of our raffle and auction items, we can cram some people. <laughs> you don't really want to do that, do you? You ruin all the fun. This kind of, I know. We'd have to think about it. I think we really only had to turn away not a whole lot of people, um, you know, a handful. We tried our best to squeeze everyone that we could into that room. Well, you know, yeah. you know, get, getting rid of a, an auction item or two or a raffle, uh, it's kind of like <laughs> saying we could get more people into the state fair if we just uh, didn't have a Ferris wheel. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and there's, that's the biggest ballroom in Sacramento right now. Yeah. So, that, and that's uh-huh. a that's a huge capacity. That's you're right. It's yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of fun and. The ladies that work on all year on the committee have so much fun putting together all those raffles and auctions, and it's it's just a good time for for everyone. Wow! So uh, too early to sign up, but you do you do uh, you're always looking for items. Always, yeah. We start collecting those. You know, now we you know anything that we can um, that we can start collecting, uh, we will. People start bringing in baskets and things they had to give away. So, yeah. Well, it's, a good, it's good to get the word out uh, that it will be the second uh, Saturday in November because some, some people probably have, uh, have gotten so, so used to that first Saturday in November that they just assume it will be then. So it's good to get that word out early. And Yes, thank you. Thanks for that opportunity. Yeah, so we're, the clinic's busy. We've had um, January, for some reason, is our busiest month every really? year. So I don't know if you can hear the phones just ringing away here. Um, yeah, we've had several already this week, uh, the abortion pill reversal patients. Interesting. Um, very interesting, yeah, that um, really regret taking that pill. So... They, um, yeah, they, they come in and they're very upset and emotionally upset and, and um, they feel pressured at the abortion clinic because they need to take it before you leave their premises. So, um, yeah, so it's very, very um, upsetting. But so far, all of them, the babies have a good heart, strong heartbeat and they're making it. So we're very excited about that. Very good. Well, Marie, it's mm-hmm. always a joy to talk with you. It's always uplifting. <laughs> and, uh, oh, uh, thank you. Keep doing the great work you're doing, and we'll look forward to our paths crossing again in the new year. Thank you for having us. Okay. God bless. Hey, God bless you, too, Marie. Thanks so much. That's Marie Leatherby, the executive director of the Sacramento Life Center. The Walk for Life Youth Buses, Sacramento to San Francisco, uh, the uh, diocese is sponsoring these used buses this year for the uh, walk to uh, Walk for Life West Coast, Saturday, January twenty first, uh, eight a.m. to five p.m. And the buses will be free for youth under eighteen years old. Uh, eighteen plus, it'd be twenty five dollars. But uh, uh, what a, what a great thing to be able to ride the bus for free, and even twenty five dollars round trip to San Francisco. Uh, that's a, that's a bargain. So and and you get to participate and and you get dropped off right at the rally. You don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about uh, traffic. You don't have to worry about any of that. You get dropped off right at the rally. 
uh, the Holy Mass. This will all be uh, t- the, the pickup lo- location is at uh, our wonderful St. Lawrence Parish, uh, 4325 Don Julio Boulevard in North Highlands. Uh, the uh, Holy Mass will be at 8 a.m. Uh, the buses will depart. If you can make it at 8 a.m., that would be wonderful. Uh, the, the buses themselves will depart at 8.45 a.m. after Holy Mass. Uh, 11 a.m. or thereabouts, they will arrive at the Civic Plaza in San Francisco. The rally begins at 12.30, but there's a great, uh, there's like a, a, a booth fair, if you will, with uh, vendors, uh, not only of things to eat, but uh, also informational vendors uh, from a a lot of variety of uh, pro-life organizations. Uh, Then the Walk for Life West Coast begins at 1.30 and be be over around 3. You get picked up where the walk concludes and should be back in the Sacramento area by about 5 o'clock. They'd like you to sign up, of course. So they know how many buses uh, they need. Uh, you can go go to scd.org backslash WFL West Coast. That's Walk for Life West Coast. Or you can uh, give uh, Ange- Angelica Vega a call. She is at 916-752-8881. That's 916-752-8881. Or contact Moises de Leon at M-D-E-L-E-O-N at scd.org. Again, uh, Saturday, January the uh, 21st. Also, just a reminder, uh, circle this date, the World Day of the Sick Mass will be held Saturday, February 4th at Our Lady of Assumption Parish, OLA, in Carmichael, uh, 11 a.m. Holy Mass with Bishop Soto. This celebration of the Eucharist will include sacramental anointing of the sick, the blessing of caregivers, and blessing with water from the shrine in Lourdes, sponsored by the Diocese of Sacramento and the Order of Malta. Uh, If you have any questions, contact Tony Real. Tony is at 916-733-0274, and it's a a wonderful annual event uh, here in the in the in a very moving event as well in the uh, moving and hopeful event here in the uh, diocese of Sacramento also the special annual event for the week of prayer for christian unity tuesday january 17 uh, do good seek justice you're invited to a special annual event during this uh, uh, prayer week of prayer for christian uni- unity it's held in person and live stream sponsored by the North State Ecumenical Conference, of which the Diocese of Sacramento is a major partner. It was established in 1968. is comprised of Christian faith in the greater Sacramento area. The event will consist of these key segments. On uh, Tuesday the 17th, a panel discussion at 2 o'clock with several Christian faith leaders who will address the topic of do good, seek justice. The panel will consist of the Reverend Dr. Mary Westfall, uh, who, who will be the Master of Ceremonies and the panel moderator, uh, Reverend Jeannie Shaw, Reverend Latanya Bynum, Father Bart Landry from the Diocese of Sacramento here, uh, Father Gaddis Curry, and Dean Matthew Woodward from Trinity Episcopal Cathedral. 
Father Bart Landry will be the featured speaker at 4 p.m., and then there will be a dinner at uh, 4.30 with panelists, speakers, and the cathedral staff, and uh, uh, then a worship prayer service in the evening at 6.30 p.m., led by Dean Matthew Woodward and Christian faith leaders. For more information on all this, contact Deacon Patrick Mahan. He is at 916-224-1282. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley and Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley and Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. Uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org.